the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible says the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. The context of that declaration is God choosing godless King Nebuchadnezzar to be his chosen leader. You're listening to another edition of Study Verse by Verse here on this Tuesday, and I'm Mike Trout. Our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. And this is an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's in a study in the book of Daniel, and all the messages from the series are available to review again on the website highlands.us. We're coming down toward the last half dozen messages or so on this broadcast, so you've missed quite a bit. Again, that's highlands.us. This series was shared with the congregation back in the summer and fall of 2016, and I mention that because you'll have to scroll down through the archives once you click on the messages link there on that homepage. And the series is called Two Kingdoms. You see, we as human beings exist in two realms, the physical and the spiritual. And sometimes the things in this physical realm can be so distracting, we even forget that there is a spiritual realm. But that spiritual realm is every bit as real as the physical realm. And in that spiritual realm are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And those kingdoms are in conflict, and that war spills over and affects us here in the physical realm as well. Daniel was a man who understood that. That's why we chose to start our study in the book of Daniel. I'm excited about the possibility of uh, chapter 7 and following. But uh, Daniel was an exceptional man. He was promoted to high positions in some of the greatest empires of the ancient world. He served under multiple rulers. His life and ministry were so profound that centuries after he lived and died, wise men from the east, magi, traveled hundreds of miles to visit the one who was born king of the Jews. And they heard about this through the teaching of Daniel. Even thousands of years after Daniel's life and ministry, we know him by name. And his life continues to be a model for us and His book continues to be a resource for us to understand God and His ways and understand the book of Revelation in greater depth. But what made him so special? Well, it's a question we've asked and we've realized it wasn't his environment. Because out of all of the cities of the ancient world, Babylon was a city that was chosen to represent godlessness from Genesis through Revelation in the Bible. It wasn't Sodom, it wasn't Gomorrah, it wasn't Nineveh, it wasn't another city, it was Babylon. Now in Genesis... We find out about this book called Babylon, established by Nimrod. That city no longer exists. It's now in ruins, about 62 miles south of present-day Baghdad. But Revelations mentions a Babylon as well. And what that represents is a society that condones and promotes sin. You know, we live in a world today where it seems like sin is excelling rampantly, that uh, the things that used to be shamefully hidden are now publicly celebrated. And that uh, Christianity has gone from something that is honored and respected to something that is marginalized and even in some cases met with outright hostility. And what Daniel does is give us the rebukes and correction and training in righteousness that we need to not only survive but thrive in a godless environment. Daniel found a way 
to glorify and serve God in Babylon. How did he do it? Well, that's why we have been studying the book of Daniel. Now, in recent weeks, we have studied through chapter by chapter, one each week, and verse by verse. And I'd like to encourage you, if you've not been able to be present, that you get those sermons online at highlands.us. Now, chapters 1 through 6 is strictly historical from the book of Daniel. In chapter 1, Daniel, Meshach, and Shadrach, and Abednego, as teenagers, have been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and taken to Babylon to serve in his court. They are there to serve for three years, and at the end of those three years, they will be examined. They are provided the finest food and wine in the nation, that which is served at the king's table. But rather than defile themselves with non-kosher food, they asked their supervisor for vegetables and water instead. Not only did God bless them physically, but also gave them wisdom and understanding. And when the king gave them their final examination, they graduated top of their class. In chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream that troubles him. And so he gives a challenge to his wise men to not only interpret the dream, but tell him what the dream was. And none of them could meet that challenge. And in anger, the king decrees that he's going to put all of the wise men and leaders to death. And that, for some reason, includes Daniel and his friends. But when the king's servant comes to collect Daniel and his friends, Daniel asks for a little time, and he and his friends pray, and God gives him the dream and its interpretation. As a result, the wise men and the magi are saved. The descendants of those magi were the ones who visited the one born king of the Jews centuries later. But not all of the wise men and magi are pleased that these foreigners are promoted over them, and so that leads to some intrigue in future chapters. Decades later, we're now in chapter 3, and King Nebuchadnezzar gets the notion of setting up a huge 90-foot golden statue not too far away from Babylon in the plain, and to command that his leaders, the leaders of his nation, come and bow down and worship that statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow, and they are thrown into the fiery furnace, but miraculously saved, and not even their clothes has a smell of smoke on them. Yet more decades pass, and now we're in chapter 4. And even though he has been warned in a dream, King Nebuchadnezzar again has a problem with pride. And he's out for a walk one day telling himself how great he is. And God brings judgment upon him, and for the next seven years he lives like an animal. Now, that would have been a prime opportunity for Daniel and his friends to conduct a coup. But the command of the Lord was clear that after seven years, King Nebuchadnezzar was to be returned to his throne. And so the indication is that Daniel and his friends faithfully administered the kingdom in the absence of the king. And after he regained his right mind, all was in order. The king declared, I bless the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? So the greatest king of earth acknowledged the greater king in heaven, the king most high. Now for emphasis sake, and so that it may not be lost upon us, We find not once, not twice, but three times in chapter 4 the phrase, The Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. The Most High 
rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. The Most High, I'm going to say it a third time, the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Decades later, that phrase is again found in the next chapter, chapter 5, when Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, is on the throne and decides to throw a party at God's expense. He calls for the utensils that were in storage, the utensils that were taken from the temple in Jerusalem to be brought out and used by he and his guests. A hand appears and writing on the wall, and none of the wise men of the kingdom could read or interpret the message. So they call for Daniel, who's now probably in his 80s, and he announces that the kingdom has been removed from Belshazzar. That very night, Babylon is invaded by Darius the Mede. Now, usually when a new government takes over, a hostile takeover, the leaders of the previous government are removed because they're not considered trustworthy. But in chapter 6, Darius appoints new leaders, and guess who's among them? Daniel. And not, not only is he among the top 120, he's among the three who oversee the top 120. And his abilities are so exceptional that Darius intends to make him second in the kingdom. Sort of prime minister, we would call him today. Well, that, that stirs some jealousy among the other leaders. And so they conspire to remove him. We hear the word conspire oftentimes. A conspiracy is two or more people planning to do harm to someone else. That's what it means. And history is full of conspiracies. Now, the only way to get at Daniel was to put him in a position where he had to choose either obedience to God or obedience to the government and its laws. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's nothing new. So the leaders get together and they talk Darius into writing a law that no one could pray to anyone other than him for 30 days under threat of being thrown into the den of lions. Nonetheless, Daniel is not intimidated. And he continues to pray with his windows wide open. Daniel's enemies report him, and Darius tries desperately to save him, but ultimately must confess that only Daniel's God can save Daniel. Darius has a restless night. He gets up early the next morning and runs to the den of lions and finds Daniel alive and well, thanks to the deliverance of an angel. Darius' faith is stirred by this miracle, and he makes a declaration of faith in God Most High. That sounds remarkably like the declaration made by King Nebuchadnezzar. So because of the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends, at least two kings of some of the greatest empires of the ancient world experienced the power of God and declared Him to be Most High. You see, God can choose and use godless leaders. The Bible says the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. The context of that declaration is God choosing godless King Nebuchadnezzar to be his chosen leader. God doesn't always choose godly people to lead. God can use a pagan leader like Nebuchadnezzar or Darius, or Cyrus, to accomplish his purposes in government. And Daniel was characterized by, well, he had three characteristics that enabled him to thrive in Babylon. 
And they were hope, humility, and wisdom. These three characteristics, hope, humility, and wisdom, gave him courage, credibility, and perspective. Without these three characteristics, he probably would have been just another victim. But with them, he was not only able to thrive, but influence one of the most unlikely places in the history of the world, Babylon. If you are anything like most people who have studied the Old Testament book of Daniel, you've probably found it difficult to understand, and I certainly appreciate Pastor Leighton Sheely giving it the um, clarity that he does on these broadcasts as we dig through this series called The Two Kingdoms, shared with the congregation at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno back in 2016, the summer and fall of 2016. I'm Mike Trout. If you'd like more details about this particular broadcast, you can find them on the website highlands.us. And, of course, information about Church of the Highlands is there as well. Ministry is happening, albeit changed, but it is still ongoing. So check out the website for all the specifics. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow at this same time as we continue in Daniel and study verse by verse.